clear vision and she's going to share that. She's not even looking like she's interested in doing it, but she is. And her fabulous title is Emerald. She is from Sydney. Please welcome our Russian diamond, Elena. Oh my God, she's so fabulous. You know, I've heard that before. You know, 
<laughs> but anyway, so social media isn't the platform for me just to, to really sort of, you know, talk about my, my family and my past. I do sometimes post some phenomenal story I've been told, which is linked to my past. But um, all my life, I was kind of driven by a very interesting idea that I was not born to be average. <laughs> I don't know how many um, times you probably heard about it, but for you to be alive in this time of the, um, you know, history, it's such a rare thing. So why waste your life for being average? So um, I started when I was a child. I was born in the Soviet Union, and I was um, a December girl, and it was minus 20 when my mum gave birth, and we lived in a in a place which didn't have heating. So she had to pretty much set up a fire in the morning just to make sure that I don't die from cold. And um, around seven or when I was seven or eight years old, I was following my parents um, to the forest because we, you know, they loved mushroom picking. They were picking mushrooms not because they loved picking them up, but because they had to pickle them so we can have some food to eat during the winter. And I was following them, and it's a village. Um, it's, a, it's a village in the middle of Norway, in central Russia. And there were no roads. And the only road uh, which was there was created by cart, dragged by the horse. And the grass was never cart, so can you imagine? So there was a track on the left, a track on the right, and this massive grass in between. And my parents were on the side. And I had to make, I had to make a choice who I was going to follow, my mother or my father. And I sort of, you know, I started with my mom and I said, oh, great, you know, I will follow my mom. And then, you know, I clearly remember that thinking, I don't want to follow her steps. What kind of child seven thinks like that? I don't want to follow her steps. She works so hard. I don't want to be like her. So I jumped on my father's side and I thought, I don't want to be like him either. They're getting nowhere. And, you know, instead of, you know, I had no other choice, but I jumped in between where that grass, uncut grass was, and for three kilometers I was walking my way through the high grass, and it was covered in the grease, you know, which was lubricating the carts, wheels. So when my parents finally turned around just to see if I was following them or not, I was covered in black stuff from here to there. But I made my choice not to follow my parents. My mom was very angry with me. She had to throw away those clothing. We were so poor. Just to give you an idea, she used to make me clothing from my father's pants when he could not wear it anymore from tear and wear. And I was so scrawny that enough of fabric was enough to make, you know, just to, to make a skirt. But in order to make that beautiful, she would spend half of the night embroidering the most amazing and the following morning, she would just present me with this gift. And I would go to the kindergarten like a princess. <laughs> and you know what? That was the biggest lesson my mother had given me. No matter how hard you have, you know, your life, no matter how shitty it is, you can always create a masterpiece. You're a creator of your life. And she was the one who said to me, never, ever, ever, ever follow your standards. You can only aim for higher. And as a 
child would get upset with our parents, do we sometimes? Who did that? Mm. Oh. And um, at some point I got so upset with child, I said, look, one day I will be so far away, so far away, you're never going to see me. And I moved to Australia, she goes, could you have moved to the pearl now? But um, at school, so I moved through my years at school and then I went to uni. And um, at uni, I was the best student, not because I was so clever, but because I wanted, I needed money to survive. And we had this, you know, allowance at the uni, so I could buy some stuff. And um, meanwhile, I learned how to make clothing, and I was selling clothing because everyone was thinking, "Whoa, where does she shop in Soviet Union?" In here. And um, my first fur coat when I was a junior, I bought it, and uh, well, you need to have fur in winter in Russia to survive. And it was made of rabbit skin, and it was rotten, and I didn't know how to choose the fur. And I could literally just poke it and fill the holes. And um, at that point, I saw a movie on TV, and it's an Australian movie, I'm sure you all know, called The Return to Eden. With Rebecca Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. And I saw for the first time Australia. And you know, you might remember the, the beginning of the movie when they just zoom onto the opera house? I watched it and I was like, oh my god, my country. I felt it. I wanted it. I almost physically felt just running my hand on the, you know, on the surface of those sails. And it happened that all my boyfriends, for some reason, after Soviet Union collapsed, they kind of went overseas. And I went, hmm, interesting. And I followed one to Australia. So that was the vision which was kind of brewing me such a long time and it's happened. So when I landed to Australia, um, it was absolutely amazing to go to the bathroom and it actually smells like perfume rather than human excrements. And it had music in it as well. I said, whoa, we made it. <laughs> I have made it. And as I came out of the airport, I saw this beautiful jaguar just driving by and I was like, that's my life. One day I'm going to have it. And instead, I've been met in this, this the most hideous Mitsubishi cult, which was shaking <laughs> the rails from the airport to my new life. And I didn't even have a chance to kind of find out do I want to stay in Australia not alone, because I've been pretty much married within two hours of landing to Australia. So that boyfriend was like so smart. I'm gonna get her, she's not gonna get out of here. So I refused to drive that car because my car in Soviet back in Russia was better than this. I said, no way, this is not my car. I'm not gonna lower my standards like ever. And as it turned out, he was a professional gambler. And a compulsive liar. And all the jobs I had back then, uh, my dream. You know, this is all about how to survive. Within one week, I've been given a job at the sweatshop. You know what the sweatshop? Mm. Yeah. You probably don't know. Are you Australians? You are privileged. And I was an immigrant with no English at all. So for three bucks an hour, I was up to close. I was doing clothing alteration of filthy pants, which you know women didn't know how to wash. They would take it to dry cleaners, and they wouldn't know how to put the bottom onto their on their shirts. Fascinating. 
And um, meanwhile, I was actually scrubbing the toilets um, on weekend. Some doctors with three hideous cats. And um, my skin on hands were coming off from the gloves. That's how bad it was. And then I had a job at the um, local market where I was selling clothing so bad that Kmart and Target looks like a designer clothing compared to what I had to sell. And I thought if I didn't sell it, I didn't have money. So uh, as I found out that uh, my relationship was not where I want to be, I decided to end it. So ladies, do not ever think that you were born to serve an unfortunate man who can't stand by you. That was not my standard. I had a completely different vision for my life. So when that happened, um, launched into depression. And you would never think that I can do that such thing, right? So I plunged into depression, and within two weeks I put six kilos on. And luckily I had very good friends who said to me, you look horrible, girl. Your face like a moon, given my circle, just like that. And I thought, you know what, it's interesting. So I got myself together. And, um, and you know what I realized? If you don't have control over your body, you cannot control your mind. If you can't control your mind, you cannot create your destiny. So, for those of you who are smokers in this room, and I have seen you, <laughs> good luck of making one million dollars here. And I will be very struck with you about that. So, I, uh, I got a job. The next one, which is really exciting, so after finishing uni, I became a immunologist. Ologist. That's cool, isn't it? Well, that is the most depressing job I have ever had. Half of the women at that job had breast cancer. For 20 years, they were doing the same stuff again and again and again, surrounded by these cunning machines creating this electromagnetic field. And one woman was doing chemotherapy while I was actually learning the new trait. And I looked at her and said, I don't want to be you. This is not my destiny. That's not the vision of my life. And I've been there for one year because I needed to make what? Resume so to get my next job. So I'm actually efficiently had Australian job. I wasn't a toilet scrubber. And the worst part of that job was doing medical tests for human experiments. I was doing I was doing blood from all the immigrants from Asia. I was dealing with blood from gay and lesbian clinics, and I was dealing with drug addicts and things like that. So can you imagine me sitting in the front of a beautiful table with the jars of shit, of solid colors, <laughs> shapes, <laughs> and I had to open it up every single one of them. Oh. So you think that you like the stuff. Think about that. I think about it all the time. Every time I kind of make a phone call, it's so difficult to lay in No. So then the paycheck came at the end, not the paycheck, the bonus, the boss of that private lab decided to give at the end of the year, the Christmas time, and he gave me the envelope. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been working so hard. 
was hundred dollars. Despite the fact that I had a prickle of that, you know, that drop, and I was, you know, died from anxiety that I wasn't going to get HIV. So I looked at it and I just tore it to pieces. I just threw it in the wall with my little finger in the air and I said, I'm out of here. That's not my vision. That's not what I wanted. So, and then eventually I met my second husband and I decided I'm going to support him because no matter what I did, it did not pay off. Me, like, you know, I did not know anything about money. I did not know how to make money. I haven't even been told that you can make money from scratch. That was not part of my reality. So you're so lucky to be here in all the mentors. We're going to tell you exactly that. The basic steps which you need to make, you know, in order to create your life. Round of applause for those. If you have a question like that, please So I decided to support my husband, but all this time, you know, um, I sort of thought, okay, that's what the good wife's supposed to do. And when the GC kicked in, I said to him, can we just have a favor? I heard that Oprah Winfrey had this vision board, and whatever you stick on it eventually happens. And, she, and he goes, oh, come on, he's just a quasi guy, you know, he's very green. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, just, just, just humor me. Can you put it in front of the computer one million dollars just on your screen? So that year everyone lost and he was the only person who made more money out of the floor than ever, ever in history happened in a bank just that year, simply because he had that sticker on his computer. So I decided to do my vision board and oh my god, please be careful what you put in there because it might happen. And uh, so my dream car, I thought, oh, this is just interesting. Let me just get that thing on board. Okay, whatever, Jaguar, right, great, okay. And I had in mind this, that's going to be burly with beautiful silver trees and things like that. Well, the local newspaper came and they had advertisement for the Jaguar. And unfortunately, it was only white. I thought, oh, that will do. So I stuck it there. And yeah, like a year and a half later, I went to the dealer and what car would wait for me? I Jaguar exactly the same model as on my dream board. And that was extraordinary because I wanted it so much. I would refuse to lower my standards. That was my dream. That was my vision. And it would just be so painful inside of my head how much I wanted it. And so back that year, the Australian dollar was up, the pound was down, the industry was, in, you know, the car industry was crumbling, and I got that car for the price you could not believe it almost for free. And I was able to pay it with my new skin paycheck. So, you know, when it comes to vision, you know, again, you know, like, it, you have to evolve. You have to think that you're not going to be stable all your life, because life is like that. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. So, and then something happened at 39, because I was chronically fatigued for nine years from, you know, from pretty much the day I've given birth to my child till 39. And I slept for nine months more than my husband did. I used to joke, like pregnancy was a baby. And um, I really woke up to the fact that, you know, my husband had a career and I didn't. My daughter was growing up and I was kind of didn't. She was going to go away in five years and I would be like by myself, lose myself, and not much was happening here, which was very sad. And the face started to say, that's how the new skin came into my business. And I'm really, really, terribly grateful that it actually has happened. 
because whatever greatness I had in mind, in, in sitting inside myself, I was able to get it out of me again and create a bigger vision. But let me put it this way. Our brains are so primitive that we cannot focus on one thing at a time. We're like fish, you know, dead fish with the stomachs up flowing down the river because the system bashed us so badly that we can't think for ourselves. And the problem is not many of us know exactly what we want. This is the biggest problem ever. So if you can focus on one thing only, that's what brain can do. One thing, which you wake up and go to bed like that with the same idea, you will get what you want. And that's what the vision is all about. It really is that simple. You don't have to be grand. And everyone will be different, of course. I'm not an Nathan Riggs, but oh my god, I have such an affair with him. <laughs> go to bed with his voice. I wake up to his voice. I think like him. I go, ooh, that guy's like... So, choose a mentor. Get your vision exactly what you want. I did not have my vision where I want to be. And then it happened. So it's not necessarily to have a vision immediately. But did you know, have you noticed that all team elites have immediate vision of a global business? Have you, like really, that is a common nominator for every single one of them. It wasn't like me, I still try, and then I don't know, and then I don't know, and then I die. It was a vision so clear, and that's what I'm working right now. It, I had to make that choice, what was important for me, and focus on it.